Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church today. Isn't it a good day to be in church together? Absolutely. If this is your first time here, uh, A, you're welcome for, for having things on time, even though we just lost an hour of sleep, all of us. Don't worry, we'll catch up in another week or so. Uh, I hope that you catch up this morning, and I hope that you're here with a lot of energy ready to have a great day. If you're new here, uh, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and on behalf of the whole team, welcome. I'd love to get to say hi to you after, the, after service at the Welcome Center. Just head out those doors down to the right, and uh, just love to say hi after service. And uh, also, we've got a campus at Branchville Correctional Facility. Can we welcome our guys at Branchville this morning? Good morning, guys. I can't wait to see you on Tuesday. Y'all, it's going to be a great day, but I want to start out. I don't want to let you know what you're sitting on, okay? So in your seat, there are invitation cards. I need some help here. So everybody do me a favor. Say three weeks. Awesome, man, y'all are awake. First service was not awake. All right, three weeks. We have three weeks until our Easter egg hunt at Roberts Stadium, okay? It's gonna be an awesome time. Inflatables, it's gonna be food trucks, lots of fun. And then the number is correct. We have stuffed, our small groups have stuffed 30,000 eggs to give out to kids in our community. Absolutely, you should celebrate that. Our small group leaders, like you know them because their hands have no fingerprints left on them from stuffing eggs. But invite your friends, invite them to come out because it's gonna be an awesome time for free and then we wanna have a chance to invite folks to Easter as well. So grab those, hand them out uh, this week and the next couple weeks. And then uh, I need another favor from you, say four weeks. Ooh, you guys are getting good. This is going to be a good day. All right, in four weeks, y'all, it's Easter. We're absolutely, like, I'm excited about Easter. I fully believe that this Easter is going to be our most impactful Easter in our church history. It's going to be awesome. But what we need is we need some awesome ministry teams. We need volunteers to come to make this an awesome experience for the community that wants to come and hear about Jesus. So here's what I need from you. Go to hillschurch.info, look at all the teams that we have there that we need to fill, and I need you to sign up for a team today so that we can get those teams ready and we can have an awesome Easter. Now, we are in week three of our series on Jonah. So go ahead and take out your Bibles, open up to Jonah if it's like mine. Uh, I think everyone I saw yesterday in my office has Jonah right here. So you're on the, if you see Jonah, you're on the right page, okay? I'm trying to make it simple for you. But open up there. If you don't own a Bible, let me just say, like, I'd love to get one for you. Uh, apps are awesome, but I'd love you to have a print Bible in your hand. Stop by our Welcome Center. We will give you a Bible today. All right, but week one, we talked about the fact that there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. And what we meant by that is like, we know God says to go this way and we see that, but we choose to go this way. Like, and maybe you're like, no, not me. Yes, you, we all have a little bit of that inside of us. All right. And then we last week looked at chapter two, where we had this awesome prayer from Jonah, this eloquent prayer as he is in the belly of a fish, as he is living out the consequences of his decisions. But then in his consequences, he sees God's, his, he sees God's provision of salvation. And I love how chapter two ends. It says, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And that was a really powerful moment last week. And this week we pick up in chapter three and to set the stage, <clears throat> Jonah has just been puked up. So he's covered in fish puke. He's on the shores of Nineveh 
and we pick up in chapter 3, verse 1. So let's jump in and let's read chapter 3, verse 1. It starts out and it says, The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given to you. Now to start out, that phrase, a second time, that is the word sheni in Hebrew. Do me a favor, say sheni. It's kind of fun to say, right? Shani. Now, Shani, one of the meanings of Shani is a second time, but another one of the, the common uses of Shani is again or another time. And it's pretty significant because here's the thing like, if you look back through the story of Jonah, you realize Jonah's not on his second chance here. He's actually on like chance five, six, seven, or a thousand at this point. And I'm very thankful that, that God gives, gives Jonah, he comes to him a shaney, another time, not just a second chance, uh, not just a third chance. But I don't know if you're like me, I lost my second chance probably 35, 40 years ago. All right, if I'm being honest, Lord only knows how many chances I'm up to now, but I'm thankful we serve a God who gives us another chance. And that's the God that we serve. And I'm going to be honest. If you look at Jonah's story, Jonah better be glad that I'm not God. Okay. Just being honest. Because here's the thing. Like if you know Daryl and me, we're, we're very similar in some ways, but we're also very different. And I tend to be the long suffering one between the two of us. But even I, I know, I know it surprises you, but even I have my breaking point. All right. This past week, some of the staff was in the office. I was in a meeting and my phone rang and I looked down and it was a local number and I, I had the choice. Like, do I stay in the meeting? Do I, Paulie and I were having a great conversation or do I take the phone call? And so I decided to take the phone call. I go out and I answer and guess who it was? It was a telemarketer. Uh-huh, that's great, even better. It was a timeshare telemarketer. If you know my backstory, you know how much I love those people. It's phenomenal. Now, here's the thing. I'll be honest. I'm actually, I try to be very respectful. Like, I know they're just trying to make a living. So I'm like, my typical thing is, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Have a great day. And then I hang up. I give them the respect of like, hey, I'm, I'm respecting you. But this time, she actually got a question out before I could throw my line out. And it kind of threw me off. And she said, Mr. Bowersocks, are you planning on using your timeshare this year? And I said, well, no. And she said, oh, click yeah, you, you know what just happened. A, t a telemarketer hung up on me. No, 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 no. I hang up on you. And so I, I'll be honest, I kind of blacked out for a moment. I lost time. Uh, and I found myself looking at my phone. And I thought, I wonder what happens if I call them back. And do you know what happens when you call them back? They answer. Ripoffs.com, how can I help you? And I said, hey, you just hung up on me. And she said, well, I'm sorry. Would you like to hear the offer we have? And I said, Yes. So she, so she gives me the whole spiel, like one or two minutes of the whole spiel about how this works. And she said, Mr. Bowersocks, if you just give us $500 today, at the end of the summer, you're going to make like a bazillion dollars. Does this sound like something that interests you? Can I sign you up? And I said, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Have a great day. Click. <laughs> Jonah better be glad that I'm not God. And you better be glad too, because we stink at giving second chances. But the God that we serve says, if you've got breath in your lungs, you've got another chance. If you're this side of eternity, guess what? You've got another chance to turn to him and to do what he says. And Jonah gets that second chance this day, covered in fish puke on the shores of Nineveh. So we're going to see what he does. And we're going to take a little bit of that and apply to us today as we sit what our next chance looks like. So we're going to look at verse 3. 
This time, I love how the Bible throws in just random things that makes you know it's true. This time, the little passive aggressive, like this time, Jonah actually obeyed, right? So this time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to, into Nineveh, Nineveh, the city so large it took three days to see it all. Now, he heads into Nineveh. He heads into Nineveh. We've talked about how shameful the culture was in Nineveh back then. If you haven't watched the last two weeks, if you weren't here, go back and watch them. We'll talk about it. How we talk about how bad Nineveh was, how shameful it was. How I mean, it was murderous. It was sexually abusive. It was oppressive. It was just, it was horrible. You can also go read the prophet Nahum. He preaches about uh, Nineveh in, in Nahum 3, I believe it is. You can read all about it right there. Safe to say, like Jonah's going into like the worst biker gang, like not that bikers are bad, but like bad gang, like city of 600,000 people, 600,000 people there who are bent on destruction and murder. And he's going in, he's like, all right, I got this. I'm going to go in. I'm going to preach the word that God has given me. And if you look back at like chapter two, you're like, okay, you know what? The guy knows how to speak. That prayer that he prays is, he prays is eloquent, man. It's so well-written. It speaks to the core of who we are when we're in our dark places. And so if you haven't read ahead yet and you think like, okay, what's he gonna pray or what's he gonna preach when he goes into the city? Like you might be expecting something very, very eloquent. But let's pick up Jonah's prayer in verse four. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. That was eloquent. And he goes over to the next spot in this huge city and he goes up to the next spot and he says, 40 days and Nineveh's gonna get toasted. And he goes off to the next spot. 40 days and you're gonna burn. That's what he does. And he's going into people who legit have the ability to just kill him, flick him off the map. And that's what he goes in with. It's really quite interesting because here's the thing. In English, the sermon is eight words long. But if you look in the original Hebrew, it's actually just five word sermon. Five words. For context clues, like I've probably spoken about a thousand words so far since I've been up here. Five words. Like shortest sermon ever preached. Don't ever expect that out of me. I am way too long-winded for five words, okay? I need at least 10,000, okay? But here's the thing. God told Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites, and I believe wholeheartedly he did. However, I have an opinion about how he did it. That's based off the life of Jonah that we know, his opinion towards the Ninevites, the facts that, they, that he believed they don't deserve God's grace. He doesn't want God to give grace. And I believe that informed actually how he went about his preaching. So option one, is that, that the words that he gave were just a summary of what he preached. It happens all the time. We paraphrase conversations all the time. Like when Sandy speaks, she speaks this much. And when I paraphrase, I remember this much of what she says, okay? It's normal. Like, so this option of this is a paraphrase, it, it's possible, okay? The second option that could be true is that these are the five words that literally God gave to him and said, only speak those five words. 100% could be true. God often gives very clear, uh, very clear instructions that can be offensive. And Nineveh was an offensive place that needed uh, to be preached against. However, option three is actually where I land based off what I know of Jonah. 
and his heart towards the Ninevites and his actions that have led him to this point. Option three is Jonah kind of said just the absolute minimum to get the job done. We see in the next chapter that he preaches this and he goes up on a hill hoping that God's going to annihilate them and he gets to watch. Like that's just kind of the honest spot of where he is. Like if you go back and look at other prophets, you see like the, like the, the Lord our God is merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Not today. We see like God exalts himself by showing you mercy. Not today, according to Jonah. We get 40 days and boy, are you in trouble and I can't wait. I'm going to go watch. But here's the thing that I want to kind of hone in on today. I want us to take from this is we all have a little bit of Jonah inside of us. There's a little bit of somebody, somebody, something inside of us. We're like, nah, they don't, they don't deserve God's grace. She picked on me in school and that's just unforgivable. The things that she did may have been horrible, but they're just unforgivable. You should see what he did to me doesn't deserve my time or God's grace. Think of that person and put yourself in Jonah's shoes. But here's the God moment that I love in this story that brings it right home for us. As Jonah spoke God's word, I 100% believe that. And God thanks Jonah for his service, not like a patronizing way, not like patting on, it on the head, like I didn't really need you. But he, he says, thank you, Jonah, I got it from here. And he takes those words and he puts them in the hearts of the men and women of Nineveh. Because here's the thing, of the five words that he spoke, there's one word that has a double meaning and is used all throughout scripture. It's the word hafak. You're not gonna repeat that one because we're gonna get, we're gonna get in trouble, okay? So hafak, it has a double meaning. It's like, so a double meaning is like, if I said, hey, there's a pitcher, you wouldn't know if I'm talking about a baseball player or a beverage container, right? Like that's, that's like the same thing for the word hafak. How we see it described in this translation is destroyed. Another way to take it is overthrown. And another way to take it is to turn around. This word is used in two specific places in the Old Testament, Genesis 19, Genesis 19 and Jeremiah 31. Genesis 19, if you remember, is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah when God wipes out Sodom and Gomorrah by raining down fire. And I think this is the one that Jonah's like, mm, let's go for Genesis 19, Hafak. Let's go. Bring it, God. Today, we're going to bring that. However, Jeremiah 31 is another way that God uses that word very intentionally because he's talking about the Babylonian people who have taken the people of God away from Jerusalem into captivity against their will. And he has said, I want you to work for the good of the people that you were around. The people who took you away from where you were supposed to be, I want you to work for their good. And he says, I will turn, I will overturn the Babylonians' mourning into joy. I will comfort and I will turn their sorrow into rejoicing. So where Jonah brought just five words, I believe that God took those five words that he spoke and he used them to give Nineveh a choice, a shaney, another chance. You may have breath in your lungs today, but, but Jonah and God say, look, 40 days, you got to get right with me, but it's your choice. Destruction, annihilation, or mourning into joy. It's your choice, 
but the clock is ticking. Tick and talk. 40 days. I think Jonah was going for the Genesis 19 approach. I really do. You'll pick up on that next week as we cover that last chapter. But let's see what the people of Nineveh do in response to the message that Jonah spoke. Chapter 3, verse 5 says, The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Do me a favor. Answer me this. Who did the people believe? Nobody's reading here. It's up there. Who did the people believe? God. Did they believe Jonah? They said, Jonah, that was so eloquent. No. No, they believed the message that God gave them. And the proof that we have is what comes in verses 6 through 9. It says, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. The king literally stepped off of his seat of authority and said, Jonah, in light of your God, I have nothing compared to him. I'm stepping off of my own throne. And then I'm going to let everybody know. I'm going to cover myself. I'm going to take off my, my, uh, my kingly robe and I'm going to put on burlap and I'm going to sit in ashes to prove that I am repenting from the evil that I have done. And he doesn't stop there. He issues a decree across the entire land. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. Can you imagine driving like on the west side? You see like a herd of cattle and they're all dressed in burlap, right? Like show a farmer that's got to do that. But that's what the king said. That's how serious they took the word of God as it hit their heart. Back in the day, this would have just dropped jaws. The king of Nineveh saying, God, would you please give me another chance? Mm -mm. He doesn't do that. He'd been like a Purdue fan rooting for an IU fan. It would have been like a timeshare telemarketer preaching Jesus somewhere. I hope that happens, but I don't know if it can. It would have been like your ex-wife making a change, finding Jesus, and changing how she lives. Probably would drop your jaw if it happened. You want to know why Jonah is such a powerful story for us here today? Because here's the thing, like the the repentance that happened in Nineveh and the revival that happened, I'm not a huge scholar on revivals. However, I cannot find another revival that happens in three days where 600,000 people repent and turn to God. I can't find it anywhere. That's amazing. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. But the really cool thing for, like that's God's work, Okay. The really cool thing that brings this down to me, Dave, just random redneck Dave, and how this matters for me today and maybe how it matters for you is the fact that Jonah's story highlights that anytime, anytime someone turns to God, it is a work of the Holy Spirit and not you. And here, God takes a reluctant person, a person who went the opposite way and did everything they could to say no until they got puked up on the shore. 
He uses that reluctant person to show his miraculous love for him and for the people of Nineveh. And that shows to me, you do not have to be a gifted communicator. You do not have to have the best argument for the existence of God. You don't have to have the best illustration that ties all the loose ends together like a beautiful mind. You don't have to have great stories about how you pick on telemarketers. You don't have to have any of that. You just have to show up. You have to get up and go and say, God, what do you want me to speak? And then speak his word alone. And then God does the rest. Isaiah 55, when God's talking about his word, he says, I send out my word and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. When you send out God's word, it always bears fruit. Every time. You may not always see it, but I guarantee you it always produces fruit. It's a work of God through his Holy Spirit. I'll I'll, I'll be honest. I've had people come up to me after I've preached and they're like, Dave, it's like you were reading my mail. You you were speaking right to me. And I'm like, awesome. Would you tell me, tell me what it was that that spoke to you? I just really want to know, right? And when they're telling me, you know, the funny thing is half the time I'm like, I never said that. And as crazy as that sounds, it's not crazy when you bring the Holy Spirit into the mix. Because what happens is it's it's called a miracle of hearing. I'm only saying one set of words. But you are hearing one thing. You are hearing another thing. You are hearing a third thing. But I have not changed anything that I have said. When we speak the word of God, the Holy Spirit comes in, takes those words from our mouths and rests them on your heart and your heart and your soul and where you need to hear it. People, we all come in here every Sunday and are like, I need to hear something from God. Well, guess what? I'm not speaking 400 different things today, but by golly, I know people are hearing from God this morning. And I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit takes the words from my little slow mouth And puts them right where you need them. That is called a work of the Holy Spirit. And it is impossible for humans to to replicate that. Because guess what? I can't read all your mail. And you know the crazy thing is. like I actually wrote most of this over the last week and a half. And in the last three days. I've cut more words than I ever left. Right? I have no way to know what's going on in your life. But the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is the one who is speaking to what keeps you up at night. And says come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. For I am gentle and humble in heart. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is the only one who knows the areas that you do not trust God in and speaks, trust me for I am good. I have plans for a future and a hope for you. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, not Dave. That's what, ha- what is happening here through Jonah. Hebrews 4 says, the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. No man can do that. But the spirit of God with the word of God does. And here's Jonah. 40 days and you're going to be toast. And God's spirit moves from the least to the greatest repentance and lives are changed because God is the one drawing hearts to himself not Jonah the king steps down from his throne he doesn't do that for some random Jewish prophet 
The Spirit of God working through five words spoke and a city repents. The last verse of chapter three says, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. He proved they had another chance. God validated their repentance in spite of Jonah's best efforts. Again, we'll learn more about that next week. But how this applies to us is, y'all, I want to see God do miracles in our midst. In the next few weeks, we are going to have the opportunity to have a platform where the city's going to be like, hey, what are you about? And we are not about the Hills Church. We are about God, his word, changing lives. And we're bringing our jacked up story to tell God's word. The crazy thing about Jonah is he would have never known how perfect he was to speak to the Ninevites. And there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. Because here's the thing, like we put this call out there to reach our city and we've got like three different types of people. We've got the, the first person who's like, sign me up. I mean, they're ready to go. We've got the other person who's like, you know what? Y'all do that. Y'all gonna be great. I'm just gonna hang out over here. I'm never gonna do anything. And then we got the third person who's like, I see what you're saying. I know I should do that. I'm just gonna go this way. They're pulling the Jonah approach. And eventually they're gonna come back to what God does. And there's a perfect reason for that. And it's not because of you and me. It's because God has a reason for everything we go through. God will work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And here's Jonah, not knowing why he's the perfect one to speak to Nineveh. But here's the thing. There's a God in Nineveh, little G God in Nineveh named Dagon. The God Dagon in Nineveh's mind was, was the be all end all. He's the one they worshiped. Like they want to make sure Dagon was happy at all times. And here's the crazy thing. You got a picture of Dagon up there. This is before Jonah's there. Dagon is a big old fish with a dude coming out of its mouth. That's who they were looking for. And then here we've got Jonah who starts making dumb decisions back in, go heading towards Tarshish. He gets on a boat. God sends a storm. He doesn't give in to what God says. He gets thrown overboard. He gets eaten by a fish. He stays in a fish for three days. Then he gets puked up on the, the shores of Nineveh and he stands out and he's like, why in the world am I here? And the people walk up. They're like, hey, where are you from? Well, I'm, I'm from a fish. I just got puked up out of a fish. And they're like, wait a minute. You just came out of the mouth of a fish? He's like, yep. And their ears perk up. His story opened their ears so the word of God could get into their hearts and they could, he could do the changing in their lives. So I want to ask this question of you. What dumb decisions have you made? Well, let's, start, let's start with this. What successes? Okay, we've done some good things too, okay? I want to, I want to admit that. Like, we're not all bad. What good things and what bad things have we done that have led us to where we're sitting right here today, where you're sitting in your seat today, where online, whenever you're watching this, where you're sitting today, what choices have led you there? I promise you, someone is looking for you and your story and your story is gonna open their ears to hear the word of God. I'm the product of a Jonah. I don't know if I'd be standing here today if a Jonah hadn't showed up at my grandma's driveway back in 2005, my dad and I were shoveling mulch, 2005. 
I was in a rough season of life where I was paying for the consequences of my dumb choices, financially, relationally, spiritually. And I was asking God, what am I supposed to be doing? There's got to be more to this because I suck at life so far. Just working, great family company, love my parents, love my folks. We worked together and I was going to take over the family construction company and we're shoveling mulch at grandma's on Sunday and this random guy rides up on a bicycle. He walks up and he's just looking at us, which is just awkward if you're working and someone's staring at you that you don't know. He says, hey, uh, y'all do mulch for a living? Not if I can help it. (laughs) He says, all right. I'm a little confused. I don't know what I'm doing here. Well, that makes two of us. (laughs) He says, uh, well, I don't know why I'm here. Do you mind if I just tell you my story? And my dad and I just shoving away. We're like, sure, if it makes you happy, you go ahead. So he starts talking as we're shoveling mulch. And here's the crazy thing how the Holy Spirit works. This proves my point. My dad and I both shoveling mulch. We're both named Dave also. So it's the Daves are shoveling mulch. One Dave, all he hears is gibberish and hurry up and shut up so I can shovel mulch. The other Dave hears nothing else in the world but this man's story. He grew up. In a family home, it was a great family home. He decided to do his own thing, made some pretty dumb decisions, landed back at his parents' doorstep and decided, you know what? I should probably just take over my parents' construction company. Starts working in a parents, his parents' construction company, always feeling this tug that he's supposed to be doing something different. And finally, one day, God shows up and says, hey, you should work for me for a living. And so he quits his family's construction company, he goes to work for the church full-time, gets into ministry, loves life. And two days prior to this, a dude at his church gives him a bicycle and says, hey, I just want to bless you and your family. Have some bicycles. Uh, you can go ride around your neighborhood. He throws it in his garage, sits down on his couch that Sunday. He's like, Ugh, what am I supposed to do? He feels the prompting to get on this dumb bicycle that he didn't want and go ride around his neighborhood. And God says, would you go stop and talk to those guys, but didn't tell him why. And all I hear is this guy's story. And I look over at my dad and he's like, well, he shut up. <laughs> and that day was the day that I started praying over what would it look like to change course in my own life and give every day back to God. I don't know where I would be if he hadn't shared his story with me. I don't know his name. Never saw him again in that neighborhood. Never. My dad and I still have this day where he doesn't, he doesn't really remember the encounter, but he knows it was big in my world because it was the day I started praying over leaving his company. So my question to you, whatever you've had in life has led you to this moment. And there is someone in this community, someone that you know or you don't know, who's looking for a single mom who's had to to rough it out to get through life, to get to today. Someone out there is looking for you, you, Mr. Police Officer, Mrs. Mrs. Police Officer, to, to hear your life story so they can hear the word of God. Someone is looking for your story so that their heart could be open to life change not because of you but because the Holy Spirit is working through you and he will redeem everything that has happened to you but just like Jonah we have to be ready to get up and go and be ready for our second chance so I want to pray for us here today because I fully believe we are poised as a church to do some awesome things in the future not because of us 
but because of God through us. And so I wanna pray for us here today. So I'd like you to bow your heads this morning. I'm gonna pray for two groups of people. I wanna start out. I want you to raise your hand. If you would say, God, I have not done what you want. I need to get up. I need to go in the direction you would have me go. God, raise your hand right now. I see you. You can put it right back down. I see you. I see you. God, I want to change course. I want you to use me. I see you. I see you. Yes. God, I come before you right now over this group of folks who are poised for God to use their story, not for our glory, but God, for yours and for the life change of others. God, just like, just like you sent Jonah, you didn't tell him why his story would matter, but God, it mattered and his story paved a way for your Holy Spirit to take root in hearts. I pray that every story here in the sound of my voice would be prepared to speak your word, to see life change through your Holy Spirit. I'm excited to see you work. And for this next group of people, I believe there are people in the sound of my voice who are more on the Ninevite side, who've never known what it is to follow Jesus. And I want to give you the opportunity right now, just like Jonah did, because honestly, the clock is ticking. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't received him, the clock is ticking. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. If you would say today that you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, just put your hand up very quickly. I want to pray for you if you would say, Jesus, I accept you today. And it is okay. We are all here. We are all ready to receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit that he has for us right now. So I want to pray over all of us here today. God, I'm thankful for the stories of our past. I'm thankful for the stories of Jonah that, have, that highlighted the way that you work miraculously through every single one of us, through every single wrong turn, right turn that leads us to today, to the place where you use us. God, I ask that you would take us as a church family to bless this community. God, so that we would know that no one is too far gone for you to work, for us to love, and for you to change hearts. God, prepare us today. Prepare us over the next few weeks to be ready to do your work. God, I'm thankful for what you do. I'm thankful for your Holy Spirit that works through us. God, work in us today. And all God's people said, amen.